Shalom. Welcome again to another edition of Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. We welcome you and I thank you for joining us today. Um, as you know, these podcasts uh, are designed to explore aspects of uh, the relationship of the revolution in longevity to ourselves, our community, and our families. We welcome your uh, contacts, suggestions, uh, concerns, ideas to me, Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com. We invite you to visit the Facebook page, Jewish Sacred Aging on Facebook. And again, thank you for your time and joining us. We have a very exciting uh, opportunity to learn from uh, Sky Bergman today, who is joining us from California. And we welcome Sky. Uh, Sky is the Emeritus Professor at San Luis Obispo, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, of uh, Emeritus Professor in Photography and Video, still teaching. Uh, still, and, and is here to really talk about this amazing film that you did called Lives Well Lived. So first of all, welcome, Sky. Good morning to you out there in California, and uh, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, well, uh, we're recording this in the middle of January, and you just walked through all that weather. So everybody, you're safe, and everybody's well, and no problems. Yes, we're all fine. No problems at all. Good. So before we get into a discussion of the movie, um, let's take a look at the trailer, This uh, the trailer for the film, which is, I think, going to show everyone just how powerful this film can be. My definition of a life well lived. That's a really interesting question. I mean, I just lived my life one day at a time, and I did everything the way I thought I should do it. And I don't know what brought me this far. Only God knows. Maybe I still have something to do. Life plays with you, doesn't it? You have to take it. And you have to battle it. We all had to wear these around our necks from Vienna. And I was standing there trying to be very brave. We were taken out of our homes. We had to leave everything. And we could only take what we could carry. The whole civil rights movement was a big thing for me. I would be on the picket lines all the time. An Indian chief once said, you will be remembered by the tracks you leave behind. The reason we had nine kids is that I had an oversexed Italian wife who couldn't keep her hands off me. And since I never get headaches, I couldn't say no. <laughs> My wife passed away in 21 years ago. I am still married and always will be married. My friends, they said, oh, I'm getting too old. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I said, oh, free with that. If you say, I can't do it, then you won't be able to do it. Just go out and do it. It's not your numerical age, it's your biological age. So think young, act young, feel young, forget the number. Which is your good side? I don't have a good side. They're all bad sides. 
Good. So Lives Well Lived um, is this, uh, I don't know what, I guess you would call it a documentary, but it's, I, I, you know, I guess, in the technical terms. Um, and it really looks at a whole group of people, elders, between the ages of 75 and around 100 years of age. Um, it, it, it explores this whole idea of what it means to live as opposed to what it means to die. And I, and I want to explore that a little with you because I think the emphasis is really important. But I'm always fascinated by people who do things like this. Um, what was your motivation? I'm, did you wake up one day and say, hmm, I think I'll like to produce a film? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm in California. Why not? So can you just share with us the motivation of, of why? Sure. So I um, was very close to my grandmother who lived to be 103. And wow. when I was approaching 50, she was approaching 100. And at that time, you know, I was looking for positive role models in aging and really just not finding them out there in the media. Everything was all about how to not age, anti-aging creams. Um, the only movies that I saw about aging were really negative stereotypes about aging. And, you know, here I had in my own household this role model who was amazing. She was still going to the gym when she was 100. And I just thought there's got to be other people out there like her. And I want to highlight them. And so I didn't set about to make a film. I thought I was going to do a little web series. And along the way, it became a film. Um, but I set out to find other people like my grandmother who could be an inspiration and a role model for me as I was aging and approaching the second century of my life, you know, the, the, the second half, I guess, after 50. I think 50 for women in particular is a big um, turning point. And so for me, I wanted to very clearly have uh, role models that I could identify with that I could be like when I um, got to their age. How did you find the people? Uh, it's always, I mean, Facebook, put an ad in. What, what, how did you find these people? So the way that I found the people was uh, I had went back with my grandmother when she turned 100 and she came out to visit me, I should say, for the first time in California when she was 96 and she lived in Florida. And for the next four summers, she spent the month of August with me, which if you lived in Florida ever, you know, it's a good time to get out of Florida. And when she was 100, turning 100, like I said, I went back to Florida for her 100th birthday and she was still working out at the gym. And I thought, wow, I better film this because nobody's going to believe that at age 100, she's still working out. And for those of you that are thinking, oh, I'm too old to start working out or to do something, she didn't start working out till she was 80, eight zero. So it is never too wow, late wow. to start something new. And um, so I did, I put together this little one minute video clip and thankfully I had a mic on my grandmother and I asked her, hey, can you give me a few words of wisdom? And she said things like be kind and live life to the limits. and I came back from that trip and I put together a little one minute video clip of my grandmother and her words of wisdom. And I sent an email blast out to my friends, family and alum, all the wow. students that I've taught over the years at Cal Poly. And I said, here's a clip of my grandmother. And if you have somebody in your life that's as much an inspiration as she is to me, then please nominate them for this project. And I was just inundated by heartwarming nominations. I mean, it was really lovely. And, um, and I knew I was onto something at that point when I started reading all these nominations of these incredible people. And I think people that were like the unsung heroes in people's lives, you know, that maybe they didn't even realize how much of a role model they were. I mean, my grandmother would always say, I don't know why I'm such a role model to you. <laughs> and it's like, well, because you're just an incredible person and the things that you've lived through and 
the things that you've done and accomplished. And um, so I, it was really just such a wonderful project to, to be part of and to hear all those stories. So, and how long did it take you to, to put this all together? I, I imagine quite a long time. It, 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 it did because I had a day job, which was I'm a professor at the university, right. although now I'm emeritus, but at the time I was working full time at the university. So it took me four years of interviewing people. Oh, wow. Um, I, I like to say I spent, um, four years interviewing 40 people with a collective life experience of 3,000 years. And, um, what a gift that was to take that time to really spend. I mean, most of the time we don't do that. We, we are on our devices. We're doing other things. We don't take the time to really connect with people in that deep and, and personal way. And I gave myself the gift of those four years really to do that, uh, because I wasn't on anyone's time schedule. It was my own project. So I could do, do it however I wanted. Um, and then there was really another year of uh, editing it and, and putting it together the way that I wanted to for a film. So it was a five-year process to get it out there in the world. You know, sometimes when I consult with congregations on, you know, dealing with the elders in their congregation, we talk about, we suggest, um, you know, doing an audio or a video history, taking a, taking a look at these this generation before they leave. Uh, many of whom are, are still the founding members of a congregation. Has anybody... Have you consulted with any congregations about this? It's, it's a great project. It doesn't cost much. And it, it really is so valuable. Has, have you done that? Uh, I haven't consulted with any congregations, but I, I have shown the film to congregations. We've done Q&As. Um, I have a discussion guide on my website that anyone can use that has I, – I came up with 20 questions um, I teach at a university, ah. and since I teach at a university, I took some social scientists and some people that were from the psychology of aging department out to lunch, and I said, if you were going to do a project like this, what questions would you ask? And so I, I really worked on um, creating a, a nice list of 20 questions, which is a good starting point, I think, for people. I think the hardest thing when you're thinking about interviewing somebody is how do you ask questions? How do you get the conversation flowing? And so to have that starter list of questions, which of course I hope that people deviate and go off on tangents, but at least to have a starting point, I think is really important. And then I think if you're going to interview somebody, making sure that you ask open-ended questions. So not yes or no questions, which the conversation can end there, mm -hmm. but really open-ended questions and um, feel like you can ask the follow-up questions. So sometimes people will start talking about something and leaving the space for them to truly answer it or being Willing to ask that follow-up question, I think, is really important. And if you're an older adult, just do it on your own. You never, you know, it's the biggest regret that people had, because I did ask everyone, what's the biggest regret? And the biggest regret was not asking a question of somebody who had passed away. And so, you know, you think people are going to be around forever, and then that's not the case. And then, you know, you end up being having the regret of not having asked somebody a question. So um, take the time to do that. It's, it's really pretty, a pretty remarkable gift for them and for you. And so let's do this, right, because you mentioned this, and, and somebody who's listening or watching this may want to contact you and look or book you into a congregation, And because I, I know you're doing this probably a lot on Zoom. What's the website? Somebody wants to get a hold of you or, or check this out in the movie. What, what's the website? Sure. Well, you can email me at liveswelllived at gmail.com. And the website is lives-well-live.com. But if you Google it, it will be the first thing that comes up. So um, the website has all the contact info on there. And like I said, the discussion guide, and we have 
for those of you, if you see the film and you're, you think, wow, there's so many words of wisdom and I wish I had written them down. There's a, on our film star page, my favorite quotes from everyone are on that page. Like Lucky Louie has oh, a wow. quote that I, that I love, which is um, happiness is a state of mind. You can be happy with what you have or miserable with what you don't have. You decide. And I mean, there's some real gems out there like that. So it's uh, it's kind of a nice place to go. If you need a little pick-me-upper in the morning, you can go there and read some of them. No, there's some very interesting quotes. I remember the, the picture of the Italian gentleman wrapping mozzarella and you ask him something and, and he talked about his wife and <laughs> I'll leave people watch the film, but it's a great, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great scene. You know, it's like, Hello. Uh, <laughs> what did you learn? What did you learn well, from this whole experience? You know, I think the the biggest thing for me, my biggest takeaway was to really live more truly in the moment. I think that um, when I was younger, I was so busy raising kids and in my job and all those kind of things that sometimes you forget, or at least I did forget about just appreciating the moment. And so I think that I really take more time to appreciate the moments. And I think the other thing that I learned was really from um, Evie Justison, who is in the film and um, talked about reading Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, which if you haven't read that book, it's mm -hmm. an amazing book. Um, and, and what her takeaway really was from that was that there are so many times in our lives that we can't control the things that are happening around us. But what we can control is our attitude about how we deal with things. Right. And I think that the people in the film all dealt with some really traumatic experiences, but it was their resilience and their attitude about life that really got them through. And for me, that has certainly been very impactful, especially going through the pandemic. I think hearing their stories of resilience and how they got through things really helped me um, get through. And I think a lot of people also that saw the movie, I think it really helped them. Yeah, the, the, the concept of resilience really is a theme. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the Viktor Frankl, the classic, when we teach this, we usually refer to Deuteronomy 30.19 in that, that passage with the, therefore choose life. But the B part of the, that, the passage is you, you make choices so that people behind you can be blessed. And their, the randomness is exactly what you're saying. And the film testifies that how you choose to deal with a with the uh, cards that life deals you. So you have people from the internment camps, the Japanese internment camps of World War II and the, the Holocaust, I think the kinder transport. Mm -hmm. um, the, there's a, and people should know this is, a, there's a great diversity of the people you are interviewing. It's not just one, you know, socioeconomic group. It is greatly diverse. Talk to me about the messages of that diversity of people from all over different backgrounds, cultures, et cetera. Um, what did you take from that? Well, I think it became really important to me to make sure that I had a, a diverse group of people that I was interviewing, because when I started the project and I was getting nominations from the people that I knew, it was very um, European centric, let's say. So a lot of people that had survived World War II in some way that came from European countries that were immigrants here. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that I also told the story of things that happened in this country. So it's, you know, very easy to say all the, all those things happened there, but much more difficult to look inward at our own country. And so 
finding somebody who could talk about the Japanese internment, I think, was really important. And finding somebody who could talk about civil rights from a very personal perspective right. or somebody that was a Latino, Filipino American who could talk about what it was like to be the first Latina in her Girl Scout troop and what that meant to her and breaking those you know, boundaries. I think those are things that were very important. And I think for, for me, I mean, my, my life's work now has been um, connecting generations uh, because I feel like uh, when we bring people together, and this is true of different you know, cultures as well and, and, and different ethnicities, when we bring people together, it's very hard to have a stereotype or an ism about them when you know somebody from that other group. And so I really feel like through the intergenerational projects that we're doing with the film, we're connecting um, younger and older people and, and breaking down the stereotypes of ageism, one story and one connection at a time. And that's also true with ethnicities and with, um, you know, all, all of those things. I think when you know somebody from that other group and when you hear their stories, and I think those firsthand accounts, um, for me, for example, the Japanese American story and listening to Susie Edo Bauman's story about being interned during World War II, it's one thing to read that in a book. And a very different thing to hear that firsthand account or Marion Wolf's story who, t when she talks about the kinder transport and really her story was the pivot moment for me when I decided it had to be a film and it, it was more than just a web series that it had to be a film. And, um, when she came out to her interview with me, she had the cardboard number that she wore around her neck at the age of eight years old when she was sent on the kinder transport. And there was something about that moment that I still get chills because I think that when I listen to that story, when people watch the film, you often think about, well, what was I doing at eight years old? How would I have felt? And I think those firsthand accounts help us overcome some of those issues and, and help us put ourselves, have more empathy for people going through those things and what that could be like. No, I know the, the, um, that picture of her holding up the card is very very powerful also you know you have all this file footage of um how how difficult was that to because it's not all people should know it's not just frontal interviews with people there, there's um surrounding uh i guess is a file footage is the technical term for it that well, illustrates we, 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 yeah we call it b-roll footage which means background footage okay. you know the b-roll footage was a really important part of the film uh, i didn't want to have just talking heads I really wanted to have it more engaging because I think people would turn off if it was just a talking head. So to see that footage where it really puts you in the moment was vitally important. And um, we knew that that footage of Marion Wolf existed. We have found footage of her getting off of the boat um, for the, from the kinder transport. And uh, we had to figure out who owned the rights to it. That was always the biggest problem. And that was also the biggest cost for the film was buying the, the rights to use those that footage just to put it oh, in a wow. little bit of a little bit of perspective uh that footage of Marion was ninety dollars a second with a thirty second minimum so if you multiply that out throughout Holy the whole God. film, you have an idea of of where the costs are involved in in making a film like this but um you know, when you see her and you see that footage, you connect in a very different way. And it, it just, it's like that moment of shock and, uh, and you can feel what it, what she, you see the expression on her face. You can see what she must have been feeling like as she, um, came to a new country without her mom, you know, by her, so her dad had already passed away at that point, but she left her mom behind in Vienna and, what that was like. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for an eight-year-old to go through that. 
And, um, but, but so it was worth the money to have that in there. And I think that that historical footage really does engage um, the audience in a very different way. Scott, you you talk about some of the intergenerational stuff. There's so, the United States right now is so siloed. There's Mm -hmm. so many just, just people not talking to each other in a variety of, of ways. Could you just talk to us a little bit about some of the intergenerational uh, issues? Because I know, well, that, that, that you're the programs that you're dealing with, because they're vitally important. Yeah. So uh, just yesterday, we actually launched our was our, our kickoff day for a project that we do um, with Senior Planet, which is part of AARP. where we show the film to older adults and to students. And then um, they use the questions that I formulated for the Lives Well Live film as a starting point to interview each other. So it's a bilateral communication. And then at the end of the quarter or semester, depending on the school, uh, they have a big um, wrap party where the students uh, put together presentations about what they learned. And there's so many friendships that have developed and really, especially during the pandemic, those it was so healing to have those friendships develop because those were the two groups that felt the loneliest and the most isolated were older adults and and students and um you know one of the students uh during his rap party said it was the first new friend that he made during the pandemic and i thought how lovely is that that an older adult is the first new friend that he's made and so i really feel like you know as i said before we're combating the stereotypes of ageism one story and one connection at a time and ageism i should say goes in both directions older adults have oh. ageist belief about younger people as is the reverse is true and so to combat those uh stereotypes i think is such a a lovely gift and um i i just really enjoy working on those projects. And so that's really become my life's work. In fact, I'm writing a book right now. And one of the chapters is um, dedicated to organizations and people that are doing work in this intergenerational space. And how is it something that you can bring it to your community educational institution or corporation to try and break those silos down and become, instead of talking about intergenerational projects, it's just all the generations are always working together. So we're not as siloed. And that's my big hairy idea <laughs> and hope yeah, is right. to to try and make that happen uh very much needed and i'll tell you since i work almost exclusively within jewish organizations and congregations it's really needed in synagogues mm-hmm. because there's, there's a real silo and you know everybody has a different little niche but rarely do the niches come together and learn from each other it's fascinating and well it's another story for another time. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 but I, I'm, I'm very happy you're doing this. The, the film, and as you alluded to, really speaks to the enjoyment, celebration, and the living of life. Um, talk to me a little bit about, as a result of this experience and now your work, the, this, um, are, we, is this are, are we too much focused right now on end-of-life issues and death as opposed to just, hey, you're alive? enjoy it you're yeah are you picking up any of that or i like your opinion on that i i think that you know as um one of my friends dr roger landry says um live long die short i mean i think it's like live life as much as you can until you get to the end and i i love um lucky louis became a really good friend of mine he's the italian um pediatrician (laughs) mozzarella maker in the film And even, yeah, I mean, I like to say one of the greatest gifts that I got from doing the film 
that my grandmother left me was the gift of 40 new grandparents. I have really just amazing friends. And he was one of them. He passed away um, just a year, I guess, two years ago now. Wow, it's been two years. And um, But I, I would go visit him almost every week and hang out with him while he made his mozzarellas. And I'd I'd ask him, hey, Lou, how are you doing? And at the time he was 97, he'd say, well, you know, it's not like when I was 95. I mean, he always had a one-liner for you, right? And I think his point, which is was well taken, was, you know, he knew that his body was aging and it wasn't the same, but I think he accepted it. And, he, and instead of, um, you know, really thinking about all the things that he couldn't do, he was still thinking about the things that he could do and grateful for the things that he could do. And I think that um, many, many people, the people that are successful agers, I think know that their bodies are going to change, but what can they still do? And I think the other thing that I really learned from the film is that no matter what age you are, the most important thing is to feel like you have a sense of purpose every day. And I think that, um, that was true of all the right. people that I interviewed, whether it was making mozzarella for his daughter's deli or Rose Albano Ballesteros, who still taught ESL or, um, Evie Justison, who would go into high schools and help get students to register or pre-register to vote. I mean, all these people had something that they wanted to do every day. And, and I think the other thing is that your sense of purpose changes over time and that you may have one sense of your purpose in your 20s, 30s, and it can change as you um, go throughout your life. And so really um, trying to remember that that sense of purpose is vitally important. What's the power of memory? that you found in this film? Wow. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. That's a really good question. I think that the power of memory, it's amazing, you know, um, well, there, it's twofold. So the power of memory can be for people who have not heard stories before and can all of a sudden learn something from somebody else's memory. But I think the other power of memory, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about when I interviewed um, Bob and Emmy Cleves and they talked about how they first met. And you could actually see their eyes light up. I mean, and that, that's the power of memory, that it can bring you back to a moment of happiness, to a moment of sadness. So the, I think the power of memory is really can really bring you back um, and, and give you great joy. And I think in the end of, of our lives, the things that we have accumulated, it's not about the tangible things. It's about the memories that we've created, not just for ourselves, but for other people for the people that are around us, for our loved ones. And so I think um, that's that's what I think of when I think of memories. My dad just passed away this year and so, or in oh. May of last year, I guess. And so, you know, I'm, I'm very much in that moment of thinking about the power of memories and going through audio tapes that I have of his, that he was he was in a, in a band when he was in his twenties and uh, hearing music for the first time that I never heard. So memories that I'm creating now that were based on his life you know, some 50, 60 years ago. And it's, it's pretty lovely to have those memories. Oh, um, my condolences on that. I mean, it's, it's still, uh, still close. Mm -hmm. The power of ritual, uh, especially as we age, the, the necessity of marking special moments in reflecting back on all the people that you interviewed, did you, did you, um, come up with, a, was, was that a, a port uh, uh, mentioned at all in some of these conversations, the, the, the rituals surrounding life or the need to create new rituals? Because we're seeing it a lot in, my, in our work. 
I don't know that they specifically, um, you know, did that, but I think that it was much more about um, rituals that brought family or friends together. So I think that the, those were the things that were important to people. And, and one of the things I should say is that all the people in the film, um, another commonality that they had was that they had a good support group of friends or family. It didn't necessarily have to be family, but they had a really good support group of family. And I think um, Marion Wolf turned 90 during the pandemic and of course couldn't have a party, but her husband, who was also 90, figured out a way to have a surprise Zoom birthday party for mm -hmm. her. And I think so that's, you know, part when we talk about ritual, I think that's one of those rituals uh, is right. a way to, to mark a particular event or a particular moment in time. And I do think that those are vitally important. We figure out alternative ways to do things. When we figure out, I think that's the resilience, right? Is that, okay, we can't all gather, but how can we still have that connectedness? And I think that was one of the ways that, um, they figured out to make that happen, which was, was remarkable for people in their, you know, I mean, I just thought it was great that he was doing that for his wife, a surprise Zoom birthday party. <laughs> no, it, it also goes to the, the, the stereotype that older people can't deal with technology. And yet, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. we all Absolutely. are. We all well, are. I think that the pandemic certainly t was a tipping point for a lot of people when they realized that this was the way that they could stay connected. And there was more of a reason to use things like Zoom and to get, you know, onto different things. I mean, I know even in my own family, my mom is on Zoom all the time. It does Zoom classes all the time. So I think her, um, you know, her, her social network and so her connectedness is very different than it was three years ago. And I actually think much richer because she's dealing with people that are not just locally where she is, but literally all over the world. And I think there's a richness to that that we didn't really yeah. experience before. No, no, I, I, this just came up at a, con, at a class I was teaching this week about community and, you know, the conversation of that we're actually redefining community and you just have to think yeah. a different term. What community means now is not necessarily what it meant 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago because of mm -hmm. technology and the pandemic. Um, real fast before we start running out of time, again, the website, somebody wants to get a hold of Sky, Bergman and Lives Well Lived, how do they do that? So if you want to email me, my email is liveswelllived at gmail.com and the website is lives-well-lived.com. In all the interviews, and you're reflecting on all these years of putting this together and you're working in the programs post and working with places, what's the power of love? Mm. That's another question I wasn't asked by anyone. Uh, I think that, you know, one of the things that really um, stood out to me when I was doing the film um, was when people would talk about how they met their partner, whether it was five years ago or 50 years ago. And like I said, with Bob and Emmy, their eyes would just light up. And I think that's the power of love. And um, that uh, I saw it very clearly with Lucky Louie, who still wears his wedding ring, even though his right. wife had passed away 22 years earlier, that power of connection of finding your soulmate and the things that you can overcome together. And, um, you know, I feel very lucky that I have somebody like that in my life who makes it possible really for me to do the work that I'm doing because he's so supportive. And I think that's the power of love when you have a good partner is that anything is possible. Sky Bergman, uh, 
Professor Emeritus of Photography and Video at St. Louis Obispo, um, and the creator and uh, continuing uh, creator of Lives Well Lived, a wonderful film. Uh, thank you, Sky, very much for, for joining us. I know it's very early out there, but I appreciate it. I really, really do. Continued good luck with this. It's a magnificent film. Uh, I think you're going to change lives with uh, you. what you're doing. Uh, so congratulations. To all of you, uh, thank you again for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you'd like to make a tax-free donation to help support our work here at Jewish Sacred Aging and these podcasts, please go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, and just follow the prompts on the conveniently located Donate button. Uh, again, we welcome your comments to me, Rabbi Address, at jewishsacredaging.com and also on our Facebook page. Uh, these programs are produced at the studios of the Beckin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And as usual, a shout out to our electronic guru and genius, our producer, Steve Lubetkin. Until next time, I want to thank you very, very much for giving us your time. Until the next time, please stay safe, everybody. Stay well. And most of all, just be kind to one another. We really need it. Shalom, the Hitra Oat.